then fuck. All right, everybody, welcome to the 372nd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage ready to talk about a very, very interesting prospect. And I want to wish Happy Lunar New Year to everybody who celebrates. Um, if you are in the Southern Oregon area, I will be running sound for the Lunar New Year event in Jacksonville, Oregon. So just a little shout out to that. All right. And also happy Super Bowl Sunday to all who participate. I was joking with my wife earlier before we uh, recorded that if a presidential candidate would just say the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday is a national holiday and everybody gets it off, they're going to win the election. Like, I don't know why that. Just do it and you'll win the election. That That's my. Uh, that's do my you hot care take. about this Super Bowl? This Super Bowl? No, my grandpa's a Niners fan and he's kind of a, had a rough, rough year. So I, I hope they win. Um, I used to be not as much, not not at all any, anymore, uh, really. Uh, I really wanted to see the Lions. And, um, you know, the Chiefs, it has nothing to do with, with Taylor Swift. I just, they're on every single commercial. And this is, like, I think, four out of the last five Super Bowls, three out of four. Some, they're always in there. And if you're not a fan of a team that's always in there, it just, I get fatigued. I is it doing the Patriots annoying or? Yeah, is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're they're good. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, they're not my team and they're good. It's like, I want to, if, if your team's not in there, what you want, two things you want. I'll keep this quick. You want a good game, but you also want to see fresh faces and you want to see teams that haven't usually won it as often before. That's why I, I was glad the Nuggets won the finals last year because they hadn't been there before mm-hmm. and, and they won. So, um, you know, as a, as a neutral third party, you, you just want a good game, but you also want to see some fresh faces. We we saw this matchup in, in 2020, but I digress. Let's get into the future Friday of Baylor Bear guard uh, Jacoby Walter. Some background on Jacoby. He is a uh, 6'5 shooting guard from the University of Baylor. Uh, 6'10 wingspan, weighs 180 pounds. He is going to be 19 on draft day. He was born on September 4th of 2004, which makes me feel extremely old. Uh, Currently for the the Baylor Bears, he has played in 23 games. He's averaging about 30 minutes per game, putting up just over 14 points on 39% from the field, 33.6% from three, nearly 86% from the line pulling down 4.7 rebounds, handing out 1.7 assists, uh, 0.2 blocks, 1.3 steals, 1.3 turnovers, um, with a player efficiency rating of 19.6. The mock drafts are pretty all a consensus is building around uh, Jacoby Walter. He is fourth on the Tankathon big board. He is fifth on the Ringers big board. And you're looking at a, a player who... I think his draft stock will never be higher. And I think that is a product of this current crop of players that are available to be drafted this year. Wouldn't you agree, Sage? So I I, want to compliment us first. I think when we talk about individual skills, like passing or rebounding or defense, we knocked the top three guys out. I think Alexander Sars. Defense is the best in the draft. I think Nikola Topic's playmaking is probably the second best individual skill. I think Jacoby Walter's shooting ability 
is three. And you could put Reed Shepard in with Jacoby because I think both of them are awesome. But uh, And then Reed Shepard's fourth is his hands. Those are the four outstanding individual skill sets in this draft. And I think we've knocked down the top three, one, two, and three. So I think that this what we've podcasted about are the top three individual skilled guys. So we we're doing pretty damn good on like the programming of this show. I think that if, as long as you're not the Washington wizards, Jacoby Walter fits with what you're, what you're asking. I think he's an unbelievably good off ball guy, but you know, when you're picking at three or four or five or six, you're not looking for an unbelievably good off ball guy. You're trying to get a star. I don't think Jacoby's going to be, there are pathways for Jacoby to be a star, but it's not the most likely outcomes for Jacoby to be a star. Yeah, that's just what I was what was thinking. And it's it's a it's a bummer that players aren't staying in school as long as they used to. And that's just change. It's inevitable. We're moving past it. And clearly for Jacoby, coming out this year is the time to come out. Oh, He's yeah, never, absolutely. I don't think, ever going to be a, a top five pick. It, it's it's a weaker draft. And you also run the risk of of getting injuries and you know maybe head coaching changes. Then you have to transfer and so and so on. So the, I, I get it. It's it's incredibly it's premium time for him. It, exactly, it's premium time for him to come out. But what I mean by staying for three or four years, I, I look at a prospect in this year's class, and I look at a prospect the Blazers drafted about eighteen years ago. You look at Brandon Roy, and you look at Kevin McCuller Jr. Both players, when they were freshmen, were nowhere near the player that they were mm-hmm. as, as a senior. And neither of them, McCullough's probably going to be a top 15, top 20 pick. B-Roy was a top 10 pick. They were not They were not in that realm as first and second year players. And when you look at a player like McCullough, who was shooting low to low to low 30s, high 20s from three. Now he's up to, you know, high 30s, 37, 38% from three. He's getting a chance to scale up his role. Mm-hmm. He's getting a chance to to play make. He's getting a chance to play high level defense. Brandon Roy was able to work on the jump shot. He was able to work on his pace. He was able to work on his overall uh, playmaking ability, both shooting and passing. And when I look at Jacoby, when you when you struggle handling the basketball and you don't have elite level athleticism, which I would never put Brandon yeah, no, in, in elite level athleticism, and I wouldn't put McCuller Jr. in elite level athleticism category. It takes time to work on your craft. And we saw that with CJ McCollum. It took him two or three years to figure out, okay, how am I going to get to the bucket? I'm not the tallest and I'm not the quickest and I'm not the most uh, vertical, you know, burst pop type of guy. And he was able to, to work on that. It takes time to do that. And CJ was lucky that he got drafted 10th by a team that didn't need him to contribute right away. You're talking about anybody but the Wizards drafting him. I, you know, I was just kind of thinking about Jacoby. You get drafted in the top five, you're expected to contribute right away. You don't necessarily get a chance to come in and work on your craft slowly without having a lot of pressure on you. And I, I just I look back at Shaden two years ago. We questioned his handle. Like, can, can he get stronger? Well, when you have S tier athleticism like Shaden, you can make it a lot the of handle out. can take a while and you don't have to be as tight with it because there you can just do things that other athletes can't. You can just simply rise above them and you're getting your shot off. You're getting to your spot for a player like Jacoby. 
he is facing a few uphill climbs to to get to I think starting level NBA shooting guard, and, and that is tightening up the handle because he's not going to have that that elite athleticism ability. And how is he going to generate separation? We already know he can shoot off ball, and that's a very nice skill set to have. But for him to, I think, be more than just an off-the-bench punch, he's going to have to be able to at least score a little bit in isolation sets or at least you know one, two dribbles, quick jab, I'm going to get my separation, and I'm going to shoot that step back. So I think that's why I wanted to see him stay longer. It's not going to happen, and whoever drafts him has to be aware of that, and that's just kind of the nature we're at. And, and modern NBA draft prospect uh, scouting, but that's, that's the biggest thing for me. You, the jump shot, it's a little, looks a little funky, but it goes in. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, all. I love funky shooting guards with bad form, but it goes like Desmond Bain, AJ Griffin. This is my shit. Having a shooting guard that, you know, all the deficiencies in the world for Jacoby Walter and AJ and Des with his short arms, all of those issues, but the ball still goes in at a really high clip. I watched a Jacoby Walter like high school tape, and he was slashing and getting to the rim and using his good athleticism to get to the ball, get get hoops. And I think his touch is bad, but if he can get to the rim, he can score. And then coming into Baylor, you watch him, and he's probably the one of the best shooters in the in the NCAA because he works on his craft. I, I I agree with everything you said that the handle needs to get tightened up and the the he needs to work on the pick and rolls and the second side actions. But if I'm gonna bet on someone to do it, it's somebody that went from one style of basketball to a completely other and dominates at that because. The jump shot's beautiful. Like, like the, the fact that it goes in is beautiful. He runs super hard off ball, off screens. Like, as a off ball shooter, I have no, like, he, he, he does his thing. It's primary what Baylor's using him right now. It, it seems like, and you look, they've always had six, six of Six of his 11 attempts a game are coming from three. So that's mm-hmm. clearly where, where they want him to yeah. have the ball. Clearly, NCA has a shorter three-point line, and you're seeing more teams. We saw Alabama last year. They really just kind of spammed that that three-point mm-hmm. uh, shot, and more and more teams are kind of just kind of buying into that uh, system. You would like to see the percentages show up a little bit better, but you know, 34% is not bad, but the free-throw line is usually what translates, and he's shooting 86% from the line. So I'm not too concerned, uh, but for somebody, I think, classified as one of the top two shooters in the draft. I would like to see that percentage up, but he is, he's taking some tough shots. And I think like he has a weird role with Baylor. They always have good guards. Like ever since we started ta- looking at the Baylor bears for draft stuff, they've always had good guards and a plethora of good guards. So his role is spacer. And then at the last 10 seconds, if our offense fails, Jacoby, please save us. Take this difficult shot. Please save us. So, it, like, I feel like if you took out her, his grenade threes, his opportunities where he it's, like, a very difficult shot and he has to take it because, you know, like, the other guards aren't ready or capable of taking that shot, I feel like his three-point percentage would go up. It's just the nature of their scheme 
it, the ball's going to him with five seconds and he has to decide how and how he's going to attack. And I think that takes away from his three point percentage. But I mean, if you watch him shoot that man, the shit goes in at a really nice clip. It's just schematics of that team. It, it's just not good for his percentage. Yeah, and Tankathon, I think this is new this year, but they have, for advanced stats, they have a projected NBA 3.0%. Oh, they've they had that for a while. <laughs> I guess I've just missed it. Uh, three, 37.9% is what they project him to shoot at the next level. I mean... He's also not going to be the first, second, and third. No. Let's be real. Like, I don't see a world in where he's ever a top three option on a, on a contending team. I think... You might get him third. Uh, I, I I like him. I like him a lot more than than you, obviously. But like, I think he's I think he's going to be a solid role player. And I think if he's your, I think he, you can win with him as your fourth or fifth starter. But I ideally, I think he's, I think he's kind of a gunner off the bench, like your sixth man. Like, not saying he plays like it, but like if you can get him to be a Jamal Crawford, a Lou Williams, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. with the Knicks, um. You can just get come and score. That's what you do. We're going to run you off some screens and we're going to, we're going to get you open looks. And I think he would thrive playing with, you know, two playmakers on the, in the starting lineup with him as well that can find him, get him open looks. I mean, could you imagine if the nuggets had a lottery pick this year and they wanted a, a KCP replacement and he could just feed off of Aaron Gordon and Jokic, just diming him up. I mean, that, that's that's where he succeeds. You talked about the Wizards. I, I'll, I'll, I'll even throw in the Hornets. I'll throw you know there are a couple other teams in there that uh, if he comes in and they say you're a starting shooting guard and you're going to take playmaking reps and you're going to be a one or two option, he's going to fail. And that's it's not the same situation. But you look back at other prospects and like why didn't they work out? I mean, one of them that comes to mind is Ben McLemore, right? Kind of a similar player, like really good off ball, a little bit better athlete. Beautiful looking jump shot, but he goes to Sacramento top five expected to be a savior next to DeMarcus Cousins. And that role was too big for his skill set. And he never recovered. Right. And confidence is maybe he just wasn't good. And that's a possibility. But I also think confidence plays a role in building your rhythm and and building your abilities. And I just think his confidence got shattered in Sacramento and bad teams pick in the, in the top five. And that's where he's going to go. So that's, it's, it's really hard. That's why it's impressive when you see young players succeed in, in those types of situations, because they're having to overcome a lot of obstacles. And in this draft, a lot of role players are going to try to be scaled up. And it's really hard to scale up when that's not even really in your in your possible in your realm like it's like you look at kevin mccullough jr he has a role right now at kansas where he's never going to have to be asked to do that in the nba it's going to be much easier for him to scale back down because he already has that experience than to scale than to scale up which you're probably going to see teams ask you know jacoby to do uh maybe reed shepherd uh a couple of those type of players who are going to get drafted super duper high because of the nature of this draft and I think teams just need to be aware. Like I think they need really, to be patient with yeah, every single role person. player draft. And you have to just because you took someone at five, like five in this draft isn't five in last year's last draft. Year. It isn't five in the 96 draft. Where would you draft. put Jacoby in last year's draft? I think he probably goes in a similar spot where like a 
Grady Dick and Jet Howard went. Like he's that I, type of prospect to me. I I have him ahead of Jet and Grady because we're gonna talk about it. But like the defensive stuff, I think there's a lot of context in Jacoby's defense where I can't excuse Jet Howard for being trash at defense, and I can't excuse Grady Dick for being pretty bad at defense. The Baylor Bears no middle defense. A lot of the times when he gets burned, he's expecting help right in the middle and it doesn't show, so it looks really bad on him. So I would ha- I would have him I think I would have him by I know that the Wizards and Pacers made that trade, so it it messes stuff. So J- Jarris is obviously ahead of him, but I would have him at 8 with uh um uh, the French dude, uh, Lau Hulabale. So, yeah, I, I think I think I had a pretty solid top 10 last year. I think Cam Whitmore and Taylor Hendricks and Asar Thompson were at the tail end. Of that. I'd probably he'd probably be closer to 11 for me. I like those prospects uh, better. Yeah, I, I mean, he he's on. He's. If a smart team is there, he they see him and there's like, oh, J- Jordan Hawkins had some moments or, you know, all of these players. Moses Moody's finally doing well, I, like. He's he kind of reminds me of of Jordan Hawkins as a as a prospect in the sense of like I was super high on him, but I knew what his role was going to be, mm-hmm. and I thought he would thrive in his role. And I think he's he's having a, a pretty decent rookie year so far. I've haven't seen a ton. He's of had some really beautiful moments, but I've early on in the season when uh, New Orleans had some some bodies yeah. down, like he he stepped up, and um, I think a good NCA run is going to really help his his. Uh, I think confident, not as his stock's probably, it's going to be Alvin Kilver go one, but if he goes four or five, that's really freaking high. But I, I want to see like, can you carry a team? Like Jordan Hawkins as a sophomore carried a team. And that again, that was the benefit of him coming back for another year. Mm-hmm. Kobe's probably not going to do that. So I would like to see like, which one of these freshmen is, is going to show that they can play big time basketball when, when everybody uh, is, is watching, because I do think there is some translation in, into uh, the league. Um, you, you talked about defense. Um, he does have six ten wingspan, but do you think he's ever going to have the lateral quickness or the foot speed to, to be even a neutral defender on an Island? I think he's a good team defender. I think he's pretty. And I think he understands the concepts of what Baylor's running versus a man or a zone like that. No middle is it's a complicated thing to scout like Jeremy Sohan dominated in a no middle and that gave us confidence that he was going to be an elite defender I think that Jacoby in that scheme is understanding it and then the mistakes that come out of his of that defense I can explain away with there should have been somebody right there to cover for him do I think he's going to be like Drew Holiday? No, but I think that he can be a team defender because he's a, he is already participating and being part of a defense that is different than anything he's ever played in. So I, I think that he can be a net neutral defender for sure, but I'm never going to put him against like De'Aaron Fox and hope that he's going to hold him to 25 points. No, but I, I think that He's one of the guys that I believe can play an off-ball defense and not get confused and not allow back cuts and, you know, 
running off screens. Like, I think that he's a good defender. I think he tries hard, too. There's just some of these guys, like, we talked about Jed Howard. He did not try defensively. I think Jacoby tries and 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 understands how to play defense. And I think that counts for something. I don't think that they can play Jacoby off the floor defensively. Like, in, in a playoff game. The, the shooting is too good for him not to be on the court. And then his defense is just neutral enough to uh, be a uh, a factor on a on, on a team. It's just that the way that they play defense is really aggressive and not letting things happen. So in that Duke game in particular, he got blown by by every single player like flip got him. But. I think that he was expecting that help and maybe it's a conversation where like they need to adjust defensively, but I I see him as a net neutral guy until, until proven otherwise, I think he's net neutral. And the the fact that he can shoot so well, it's going to keep him on the floor for a long, uh, for a while, as long as they're patient with him and can see that this isn't going to be, you know, Scoob Henderson or, uh, Wemby, this is a guy that's going to take a little while to develop, and the fact is, he already has this—the one clear thing that everybody wants: a guy that can shoot off the catch, off the dribble, and movement. That's that's going to keep him in the give give him options, and you know, keep him in the NBA for a, a long time. How do you like his fit in Portland specifically? I wish he or I wish he was like two or three inches taller, to be completely honest. But I think that it could work because he's not expect like if we draft Jacoby Walter, he is not and can't be on the court because there's we're 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 replicating the the small guard issue. So if we take Jacoby, there has to be a plan in a few years for Ant to not be part of this team. Cause you can't you can't live off of six two guards forever then we need to have functional size so if there's a plan for ant in a few years to move on i like it a lot better but i I think offensively it'll be fine i think defensively it might be a little difficult unless shaden or scoot turns into a much better defender but i again I, i i trust that he's going to fit the role and scheme defensively he just won't excel yeah i feel like with a lot of these prospects you're having to put a you know, a square peg into a round hole. You're oh, trying oh. to really force something to make it fit. I, I agree. I think I, I wish he was six, eight, six, nine, because ideally Shaden stays at the two and he can excel at, at the two. I think he's a little bit of undersized player at the three. Scoot's got decent size at, at the point at six, two. And and you're right. If if you take a, a guard, a long-term guard, and you, you're like, okay, Shaden, you're, you are going to scale up to the three. There has to be a plan. Like you can't have Brogdon and you can't have Simons. Uh, you have to say these are the guys we're, we're drafting. Like I think, I think he would have to be far and away the best prospect available to take him. And he, I don't think he's going to slip to the Warriors pick. Mm. And I, I just I don't know a world in which he's going to be by far and away the best prospect at let's say anywhere between five and seven, some something along of those lines. So. Even if he is a gunner off the bench, there's already too many Gunners bodies the, yeah. in the backcourt. And we clearly know that Chauncey favors some over the other. And 
we don't have a lot of playmakers to get those guys the ball. Like it's really just Scoot and Shaden shown a little bit of signs, but Malcolm likes to shoot. Ant likes to shoot. Uh, Jeremy likes to shoot. Uh, we have a lot of shooters. Uh, we we need some people who are going to set the table as well. So like, I think he, do you if think we, if we okay? were in a, a situation where we had our starting five, probably all, all filtered out and we were ready to go and we needed somebody off the bench. I would be totally fine with, with taking him. I, I just, I feel like we're kind of, I think it's usually I am all for, for best player available. And, and most part, most of the time I will lean that way, but it's whether it's, it's free so much more or, important this year. Yeah. Whether it's free agency or trades, the Blazers have to address the lack of playmaking because he will survive. He will thrive if he can get somebody to give him the ball because yet yeah, he is awesome off of the, off of the curl, off of the bounce. Um, when he catches the ball, like I love how he runs so to, hard off the yeah, screen. It's such dude. a hard skill set to be such a good movement shooter. Mm-hmm. And but it, it's funny. It's it's almost like when guards, bigger guards, whether it's Kobe, J.R. Ryder, Steve Smith, used to back in and you know, post up MJ. That skill set was so valuable. It won Portland a few series over the Jazz themselves mm-hmm. because Jeff Hornacek couldn't body Steve Smith and J.R. Ryder and Bonzi Wells. But that like guards don't do that anymore, and and coaches don't coach for that either. I kind of feel like we're we're, we're movement shooting is is a lost art because outside of the Warriors, are there many other systems out there that are prioritizing movement shooters? Like it's a beautiful style of basketball. I think it gets great shots available, but you just it's you're seeing more just like pick and roll, drive and kick. Like that's everything that players are doing, and like I don't want to see him just get relegated to okay sit in the corner and just hit your three like clearly we would need a new coach to to work oh, with yeah jacoby yeah, yeah. would not fit on this like on- yeah like but just in general like i was as i was talking i was like a lot of like m- movement is not being utilized like well even this even the pistons of of the championship era with rip hamilton like he was a beautiful movement shooter and like you can go back in time and like, okay, there's Reggie Miller, there's Ray Allen, there's Rip, JJ Reddick. Like right now, it's like, okay, there's there's Steph and there's Clay, but like who else is a great movement shooter that's getting those movement looks at that clip? And it's it feels like it's a bit of a lost start, unfortunately. I, I, I don't see I don't see Chauncey developing it, but when you have a guy that can do it, incentivize it. And I think a smart coach would absolutely. There, there I mean I saw Jordan Hawkins get some love when we when they were so injured. Like Jonas Valanciunas would set him a screen, and he would. M- I think when you have it, you utilize it. But there's not that many got moving and shooting like a, sprinting off of a screen and a getting the ball and shooting it. Really difficult. Even the way I just said it, that's pretty hard. You have to have perfect balance. You have to. So I th- I think that if we had a coach that was creative. He would use it. Now we have to have screeners that help him get get space. But I I remember we tried to do it last year with Yusuf and Shaden, just getting him moving downhill off ball. I think that I think that it can be a very valuable tool. It's just we need the creativity schematically to put a movement shooter in that place. It's such a great skill to have, you know, like. 
it sucks that the Golden State Warriors and the Rockets of James Harden were the only real teams to utilize it. But if you have it, smart coaches are going to develop motion for it. Cause All right. Early. You were about to ask me a question. Uh, do you remember what that was? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that he can develop into a second side pick and roll guy. Do you have any thoughts about his passing? Because I think that if a smart team developed it, he could be a second side like Norman Powell pick and roll with eight seconds left. I think that he could do that. I uh, like I don't think that he has the vision or the creativity of a Tyrese Halliburton. But Dude, I think that I don't can, think anybody has the creativity. Of it. Did you see the play against the Knicks where he's in, in jail? Throws it off the backboard, catches and it, it, it and fuck, yeah, that that's TikTok and worthy. Kicks it out clips. for an open. I have never seen that before. Like, kind of just like blew my mind. So yeah, like Halliburton's like in a whole other galaxy compared to everyone else. But I, I, th- I think that he has the ability to do to do better reads than Anthony Simons. Like, I think that he could do second side uh, actions with his passing. I know the dribbling needs to be fine tuned. But I think that he is, I've seen him make plays when he gets to the rim and passes it off to Eve Mises. So I think that it's there. It's just, you need to develop it. But I think that he can do it. He's been lucky in his career where he's had point guards from high school to now. So he doesn't, he's never needed to do it. But I think that he has the ability to do second side actions with playmaking. That's why I think I like him a lot uh, more than you is because I believe in the second side playmaking or, or, or the, you know, the, the secondary playmaking. It all comes down to opportunity, yeah. right? We loved Jairus as a playmaking ability. Jairus isn't even playing for the Pistons. He was a top seven pick. I mean, slipping the floor, like even in blowout games, either way, not playing Taylor Hendricks, not playing uh, for a Utah team. That's out of the playoff picture. So it's, Again, it's really hard to project. It depends on what situation he goes to. Is he going to get the opportunity to work on that? I, I don't know. I, I think this is the, the the draft where you just... Fit matters so much more than a no, normal year. Like, obviously, upside's important, but there's none of these guys that are forcing an established star out of their role. Like, if Detroit gets one, they're not going to go Sar. They're just not. It doesn't make sense. And <laughs> he's not going to play because Monty's ass doesn't play rookies. Um, This one's fit. This one is, like, of course, you can think upside, and that's obviously cool, but you got to think about the fit, the, the absolute most. So, Jacoby probably doesn't fit with what the Blazers are doing now, but is there a team that can use an off-ball score? Sure. And he probably should go there. I will say, if if he's available at that later lottery pick, oh, I would be years, wetting my pants in, a, in excitement. Like I then, would. Then be, you clearly take him because yeah. there's a prospect we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, uh, Kevin McCullough Jr. from Kansas. Who that's that's where I want to take him because I, I mean, he's a little bit taller, but he's got more experience. But like that's like we need a a playmaker who can hit shots off of the bench, and that's clear. That's that's fine with with a later lottery pick with this this number five, six, seven, whatever it ends up being, you just, you just, you don't know who you're going to get because like you said, it's, there's no consensus top pick. I don't think there's a consensus top three. There's not a consensus six. There's just going to be like, it's going to be dependent on the draft lottery results and and where teams go. And 
I think I don't think there's going to be a ton of movement because I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams jockeying to get up to a certain guy. Like, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Again, we'll wait until the combine. We'll wait until pro days. Oh, uh, <laughs> underdog fantasy just airdropped me five extra dollars. So I'll use that today. Um, <laughs> all right. Do you, I, I know that you don't have the time to do as many comps as me. Do you have the comp that you have for uh, Jacoby Walter? I mean, he kind of reminds me like we'd start doing this in 2020. Um, he kind of reminds me of like Aaron Neesmith at Vanderbilt, where he was such a good movement shooter. Um, Neesmith got off to a bit of a rocky start in, in Boston, but he's kind of carved out a role for himself mm-hmm. in Indiana. And when I think of what Jacoby Walter could be, I think there's a, a higher ceiling there, but like Aaron Neesmith starting for a team that's going to make the playoffs. Like that's nothing to really scoff about. I think if he absolutely peaks, you could look at a guy like, JJ Reddick, maybe a modern day Richard Hamilton, where you know, secondary creator, just knockdown shooter, but really the role is off ball. Do not give him it to isolation. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be the defender that Rip Hamilton was. No. Probably closer to to a Reddick where he's just neutral. Um, so that's what I what I think you're gonna get. Like, and that's pretty much what you have to expect when you go into this draft. You're, you're not gonna get Kevin Garnett, yeah. you're not going to get Shaq. You're not going to get no T-Mac. Like, I, I just, that, that's not this draft. There might be a player. I don't even know, like, I've been trying to, like, look at players. Like, who, could, is there a Giannis in this draft that people just aren't talking? I don't, I don't even know if that's there. So you just really have to manage your expectations when you're scouting these players and when they're coming onto your team. Who, who do you think? So Malik Beasley, I think Max Struess. Moses Moody would be on his lower end results. And all of those guys have had moments where they're shying Tim Hardaway Jr. And Gary Trent. I mean, it's obvious it's it's the, it's the shooter. That's the, uh, the, the off ball shooter. And then I, if he hits his peak and he can do the second side reads that I, I think that he can, I think it's hundred percent is Tyler hero. And if he just becomes the best uh, second, you know, best off ball guy, I, I see some Desmond Bain in him, but I, I think Tyler hero is his most like is, is the best outcome Tyler hero. Like as much as we like, as people like him, he, when people press him, he struggles. So he's a, a second side secondary ball handler instead of, you know, Jimmy Butler's obviously number one when he's healthy and playing hero, second, third guy, of course, he had those playoff series and, every, you know, he was the face of Top Shot for a few years. But in reality, he's a secondary ball handler that can get really hot from three. So, I yeah, I, I, I really do believe in Jacoby just adding things to his game every year. And that type of thing, that type of work ethic makes me think he can be that he can. He, he knows he needs to tighten up the handle to be as good as he can be. So I believe that he can achieve those darts, like the work ethic. I remember uh, I read that the Baylor, like he was working on his three point shot and he hit 43 in a row. And like going from someone who doesn't shoot to someone who can hit 43 shots in a row and be one of the best shooters. 
I'm going to bet on him to develop and be better. So, yeah, Tyler Hero, 99th percentile. Thank you so much for listening to our future Friday that will be released on Super Sunday. Um, we definitely appreciate all the love and, uh, you know, listen to it. This is a lot more demanding on our time thinking and watching these college games when we're also watching and listening to every Blazers game. So thank you for giving this a chance. Um, thank you for listening to the complimentary pieces series that I've started. And uh, we're going to talk about my, my, my favorite college player, Providence guard, Devin Carter. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be dropping probably Monday. Um, thank you to everybody for listening and enjoy super Sunday. Peace.